to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Kat. And I'm Jess. And today we'll be discussing... A Quick Bite by Lindsay Sands. But before we get started, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app so others can find us. We'd also like to remind you that you can find us on Instagram at the PHX Nest Pod and on Twitter at PHX Pod. You'll find those links as well as a link to our blog and email address in the show notes. Now to the book. All right. So um, a quick bite by Lindsay Sands. How did we pick this? I picked this. Yeah. So we decided for October we were going to do something paranormal because we felt like spooky fall Halloween my, type shit. My favorite time of the year. Yeah. And Jessica's like, oh, I've got this because I like reading weird Paranormal, vampire type things. Um, that was rude. I like so, reading paranormal romance. Yeah, but they're weird. <laughs> but they're so good sometimes. Um, so this book and our next book were both chosen by Jessica. Following the two in November as well, because November is my birthday month. Yeah, so, you know, it'll be just a couple months of Jessica's picks, and we'll see, you know, how we like a little twist here yeah, with our... Um, Normal, you know, tropes. I enjoy a good paranormal romance, and I chose three paranormals, so a quick bite and the next two that are coming up after, and I tried to make them as different as possible. They're pretty different. I read the next one. You didn't enjoy it as much. No, but that, that's neither here nor there on this episode. No, we'll talk about that next time. Um, but before we get into that, I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis of yes. A Quick Bite. Um, it says, Lysiana has been spending her centuries pining for Mr. Wright, not just a quick snack, and the sexy guy she finds in her bed looks like he might be a candidate. But there's another more pressing issue, her tendency to faint at the sight of blood, an especially annoying quirk for a vampire. Of course, it doesn't hurt that this man has a delicious-looking neck. What kind of cold-blooded vampire woman could resist to a bite of that? Dr. Gregory Hewitt recovers from the shock of waking up in a stranger's bedroom pretty quickly. Once he sees a gorgeous woman about to treat him to a wild night of passion. But is it possible for the good doctor to find true love with a vampire vixen? Or will he be just a good meal? That's a question Dr. Greg might be willing to sink his teeth into. If he can get just get Luciana to bite. Okay. This was my pick, so I have yeah. to ask you. What'd you think? I liked this one. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> this it would be sad if I was like, I hate everything you choose. So I have read our second paranormal romance for October. Yes. And I have read both of our November picks. Of course. Because it's my birthday month. I wanted to choose things that I really enjoyed. Yeah. To see how you guys would feel. I have not read. I had never read a Lindsay Sands ever. Okay. So this was new. So it's new to both of us. Yes. And I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was... An entirely different take on vampires that I had never seen before. And before yeah. we get into that, we're going to follow our notes because it so keeps us on track. So we're all, like, scatterbrained. Yeah, because it keeps us on track. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that I put in the note um, that we want to talk about is what makes vampires so sexually appealing? They're literally the walking dead. Why are we so attracted to them? Okay, well, we should point out, too, though, that classically vampires are the walking dead. They're the undead, right? They're the undead. And that's, like, this miscommunicated folklore type thing that is, you know, discussed in this book because it's very different. But I think, for me, it unfortunately started with Twilight, which I hate. We all hate that, but... we It's so bad. It's so awful. But I think the intrigue of, like, when I was 12, I didn't Google vampires and, like, What's a coven and all this stuff? Like, no. no. I feel like every teenage girl goes through, like, a weird witch phase, but not, like, a vampire phase until Stephanie Meyer shit came out. Yeah, it wasn't until it was romanticized. Mm -hmm. Because before that, we had Bram Stoker's... Bram Stoker's? Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula. And it was classic. It, we had Nosferatu and Bella Lugosi as, as Dracula. Where everything's, like, super scary. Yeah. And it's, I can see why it would be. Like, it's kind of meant to be. Like, someone sucks your blood and can kill you by sucking all of your blood out. Yeah. Like, just a lot of stuff. And um, I think that's kind of where it starts with the sexiness in, like, a weird, weird, like, kind of gross way. 
just because they can die. They're, like, super strong, super fast. And these, like, new age books really describe them as being really sexy. Like, their yeah. bodies are always perfect. You never, ever heard of, or at least in the books that we've read so far, you don't hear, like, a fat, like, overweight, balding vampire. No. They're, like, chiseled, and their abs are stone hard, and, like, all this stuff. And they're super hot. Every time women look yeah. at them, they're swooning. But that, see, that's what we've read so far. And I will right. say, um, if you've ever read any of the Charlene Harris True Blood and that's different too. There is, there are instances where you have unattractive vampires. Yeah, there is one where he's balding and he's kind of frumpy and, and not attractive. It's just um, like everyone's different takes. It's like when you think of an elf. Yeah, like you don't think Lord of the Rings elf all the time. You think like Keebler elves, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, cookies. Yeah, <laughs> or like elf on a shelf, something like that. Yeah, you're not so it's thinking. like just different takes of the same thing. And this book did it in a more intriguing way. Yeah. Um, Explain that. Explain how these vampires work. (laughs) So, first of all, I want to say I've always liked Atlantis. Not necessarily the movie, even though that was a good movie, but just the idea of, like, a really advanced civilization civilization that's underwater and possibly still underwater and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, But the way that it's explained in the book is that the people who lived in Atlantis before it was sunk, we're working on making this, like, superhuman race by introducing these nanos, like, these bots, into the bloodstream, and the bots would basically perfect you. They would clean up everything, they'd get rid of your fat, they'd make you super strong and, like, have super senses and all this stuff. So they created this race of beings by accident. And so the only way that you can become that is if you ingest the blood that has the nanos in it, yeah. or you're born of someone that has of, nanos in them. Of an Atlantean. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I have never seen anything like that. Ever. No. When no. I got to the reveal of how these vampires worked, I was kind of like, wait, what? And then I read it again, and I went, okay, that's kind of cool, because I've not seen that before. Right. So we were talking about how our vampires created, and we are kind of like, they just are. <laughs> yeah, like, where was the first vampire? So that's another thing. So when we talk about the different takes on vampires and how they work and, and everything, I have read my fair share of vampire books. Uh-huh. Obviously, we start with Twilight. Right. And then we get into the more raunchier ones when we get into, like, J.R. Ward's The Black Dagger Brotherhood which is a whole different beast that we aren't even going to get into. Um, And I don't know that we'll ever read one of those, because that is... I read one. They did not age well. I can't say that. They don't age well. But last year, I read um, A Discovery of Witches. And in that book, they talk about where they believe the first vampire, the first witch, and the first demon came from, and how they came to be. And that's that was kind of fascinating. And this take is really fascinating because it's not, well, we're just vampires just because we are. This yeah. is, we are. An We've ad- always been. Yeah, we're an advanced race from a civilization that no longer exists. Do you think it's really kind of weird that vampires and werewolves and witches are all like these evil things? But then when you put like side by side with like a superhero... It's all the same shit. Like, yeah. You're either born that way, you become that way in a really weird way, and then you're, like, super strong, you have super senses, you're super fast, whatever your super thing is, right? But it's, like, a very different side of the line there. Well, I think it's because of the way pop culture has gone. Like, you look yeah. at these superheroes. You've got, you know, Captain America, you've got Iron Man, you've got Batman, you've got Superman. These are all good because yeah. they're out to save people. Whereas you have your vampires, you have your werewolves, you have your witches. Those are the intrinsically... Of the night yeah, those are intrinsically the bad ones. Those yeah. are the ones who are feasting on you, and, and they're, they're... It's just so strange. It's, it's pop culture at its finest. But for me, personally, I have talked about it before. I fucking love Marvel superheroes. Uh-huh. With a deep, deep passion. We know this. My feelings for Captain America, are they run deep. But I absolutely love 
the paranormal aspect of a romance novel. I wouldn't want to read a superhero romance. I don't want to read that. I don't think it would work, because it's made for, like, a comic book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to read about a shifter of some kind. How did that happen? How did the pack dynamics work? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Reading about vampires is always cool, because they're all, they're all fairly different. I mean, you all have some kind of different piece of lore in the story. Right. Um, witches, that's cool, because you realize that there are different types of witches. You've got your light witch, you've got your dark witch. They're not all the same. Yeah. They're not all created equally. Whereas with superheroes, they kind of are created equally. They all do these things, and they're all supposed to be good. But then you have your paranormal people, if you will, your, your paranormal races that, that are considered bad, but do good things. Because, like, if you think about it, with this one, these vampires aren't doing nefarious things. She, Lysiana works at a fucking shelter. Okay, but it's a self-serving... It is self-serving, because she did it because she has this phobia. She she can't, cannot look at blood. She will pass out. She does pass out. Um, So she works at this shelter... Because she can do, as they say, eat off, feed off the hoof, if you will. And she can eat basically any of the homeless people did that come in. Did you say hoof? Hoof. I did. Oh, God. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's what that's, they didn't say hoof. 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 Like, like it's not roof. Okay. That's besides <laughs> the point. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It was, it was interesting, but sh- they're doing good things. They have their own jobs. I mean, yeah. Part of part of the Argino um, family is that they have a a car service, like a transport service. Yeah, and I love that most of this book, when they're talking about being in a vehicle, they're in a fucking van because they all <laughs> seem to just need to travel together, and it's just the easiest way to do it. But like when you sit and think about how hysterical it is to have a pack of vampires in a van, just like a bunch of grown people in a van is weird. They're over two hundred years old, and they're in a van. Yeah. Which I find hilarious, because you won't see me at 34 years old in a van, unless I'm forced in there. That's not a... Not That's a that doesn't happen. Not a decision I'm no. making on my own. I mean, I have to ride in a van when I do work stuff, sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to be doing that later this month, and I have to be in a van full of my coworkers. I'm like, the huge, like, 15-seater sliding door. Yes! Like, yeah. Well, they're not sliding doors. They're, like, the two that open, like, a French door. <laughs> Oh, God, that's even worse. Those 15-seater ones? That's what we ride in no, when we go up to Phoenix. No, you have the 15-seater. And it slides? Like a... oh, yeah. you're so lucky. Well, I think we have, like, one. Ours are really old. That's because of the school you work for, but... Uh, yeah, whatever. So, a little bit about this is um, Dr. Greg Hewitt is at work. He's a psychologist, and he is leaving the office, and there's a woman and she's following him, and he's kind of confused because he's supposed to be going to parking level three, but he ends up on one, and that's the guest parking, and that's kind of weird. And then he goes to this car, and he puts his briefcase in it, but it's not his car, it's a different car. And then he gets in the trunk of the car. Yeah, and just, like, curls up. Curls up, closes the trunk. Yeah. And ends up at this huge house, tied to a bed. And a woman tells him, you are going to be the best birthday present I've ever gotten my daughter. Which is, like, a really weird thing to just say. Well, he immediately starts to think, I'm a sex slave. Yeah. Oh, my God. But also, her daughter? There's no way she's old enough to have an, an adult daughter. Right. Because vampires just don't age the same as humans. No. No. Or, I guess, immortals don't age the same as mortals. That's the way that we should put it for this one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we come to find out that this is for Lissy's birthday. Yep. Um, her 202nd birthday? Yeah. 202. Goals, man. She hit over Ooh. 200. She's she's climbing that hill. She's oh, yeah. considered relatively young. Not as young as a couple of her cousins. Right. Um, but it's and the twins. The They're twins. Teenagers. They're teenagers. They're 17. And he wakes up, and it's Lissy's birthday. And Lissy thinks, oh, it's my birthday gift. My mom got me a snack. I mean, I'll I'll go change my hose, have a run in them. I'm gonna run up to my room. I'm gonna go change, and I'm gonna. She finds this this man tied to her bed with a bow around his neck, and um, she ends up having a small snack, if you will, 
from this man, and uh, everybody shows up into the bedroom, and she realizes he is not her birthday gift. Right. Um, in that sense. He is her birthday gift to get over her phobia of blood. Her real birthday gift was Chinese food, which was just the Chinese delivery kit, which I thought was... It was a weird trick. It was a really yeah. weird, weird trick. Because, you know, sometimes they'll have, quote-unquote, pizza, and it's the kid who's delivering the pizza. Yeah. And she ends up... They leave poor Greg tied to this bed mm-hmm. for too long. And then she starts to feel bad, because she realizes when she bites him, there's some feelings happening, and it's kind of confusing and weird. Um, she lets him go, and he ends up coming back. And they don't tie him to the bed this time. He comes willingly, because they realize... Greg can't have his memory wiped. They can't. They can read his mind, but they can't control him. Lissy cannot read his mind or control him, period, at all. And do you want to go into why she can't control him? Oh my goodness. So this is the romance part. So originally she tries to get into his thoughts because he's kind of like panicking. Mm -hmm. And like fair, because he's tied to a bed and he thinks he's a sex slave. Um... (laughs) So she's, like, trying to calm him down, and one of the ways to do that are to get into his mind so that she could, like, get him to chill out. And plant thoughts. <clears throat> yeah, and, like, plant thoughts or memories or whatever, wipe it, however she's going to calm him down, is for her to, like, make him relax, which is biting him. Mm-hmm. And they actually kind of, like, make out and stuff, they're, like, messing around, which is weird. But, um... <laughs> So she tries really hard, and she's like, I don't get it. Why isn't this working? And it turns out that there's this kind of legend that if you meet someone that you can't wipe their mind, they can't read their mind, then you should make that person your true life mate, because then you can't ever use them as a puppet because they can resist you. Yes. And so they kind of hinted that for, like, at least the first half of the book. And before they tell Greg. Yep. And then it kind of, like, spirals out of control because she, like, doesn't want to talk about it. Because feelings are hard and commitment is difficult when you're 202 years old. Okay, but he's immortal. Yes. And, like, you know, she already made out of him. But it's... That's that's where we get into the, the romance portion of it. Yes. So when you go through and you're talking about vampires... Yes. In particular. We don't really see any relationship where they're meant to be together. Like, if you think about it, when was the last time you read a a vampire romance where they were, like, mated, if you will? Well, like, other than Twilight? (laughs) Well, see, and that's the thing with Twilight, is that they aren't, like, destined to be together. They're not fated mates. They are together because Edward cannot resist the smell of her blood. But he also can't read her mind. No, because we find out later in Twilight that her special power is that she's a shield. Which is dumb. But... <laughs> Lazy um, writing. I'm trying to think. Because I know that in other vampire books, I mean, like the Jazz Park series, that's more, I guess not faded, but more like drawn together. Uh-huh. Even though they try to tell themselves they're not. I don't know. But... You hear more of that. That would be, like, the style of imprinting, Mm -hmm. where, like, you can't not be with them and stuff. I don't know. But it was, I thought it was an interesting take. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I also really liked in this one that we have kind of a role reversal, if you will. Yeah. Where the hero is male. And he is mortal. Right. Whereas the heroine is immortal. Right. And normally what we would see in a paranormal romance like this is you're going to have an alpha male. Yeah. The hero is going to be the one who's all-powerful, and he's the vampire, or he's the fucking wizard, whatever he is. And he's going to be the one who's got kind of more, um, more domineering personality traits. But... Greg wasn't like that at Well, and all. I think that's partly, too, because this book wasn't based around someone who was immortal creating a coven. Yeah. And that's kind of rare, too. Like, this is just a family of normal people who happen to be vampires because of their Atlantean 
blood. Yeah. And their bloodline. And so there wasn't a whole lot of the alpha male weird stuff, even with the females. Like, yeah, the head of the family was definitely Marguerite and Martine, but then, you know, Uncle Uncle Lucien, Lucien. yeah. And he was, but that's because he's the head of the council, because he was the most old vampires, and, like, there were different steps to that that aren't normally in vampire stories. Yeah. I found it refreshing to not have an, a serious alpha character within the, the Yeah, I didn't mind it. It was it was refreshing because we don't have this one character who's incredibly domineering over the other. We didn't have the parts where you're just like, oh my god, stop being such an asshole. No. And that was nice. Like they were both kind of dumb in some ways. Yeah. Her more than him, I felt. She was kind of like to me a little bit boring. Yeah, she was a little um two dimensional. Yeah. He projected a lot more fullness. Yeah. Than she did, even though he wasn't, like, the person we should have focused on the entire time, if that makes sense. Yeah, because uh, the whole story of centers around Luciana and her... Her phobia. Her phobia. She's a vampire and she can't see blood. Now, they don't feed off of humans. They have blood banks. Right. Where they slap a bag of blood to their teeth. Their teeth do the sucking for them. Yeah. Which I thought was a little weird. At first, but then I realized it's part of the nanotech, so that made more sense to me. Yeah. But um, she can't feed off of these bags, so she has special permission to feed off humans. But there wasn't ever really a time where I was kind of going, okay, she could have figured that out. Like, there was a lot of, of, why doesn't she know that? She's 202. I just feel like in 200 years, you would have come with some way to not have to look at the bag of blood. My my brain immediately was like, okay, so you could use a straw. You could put it in like a, a sleeve of some kind. A koozie. A, oh my God. A vampire blood bag koozie. Yeah. <laughs> well, because like the whole time when Greg is working on her phobia, which he never does. He never works on it. Yeah, I just... They're too busy making heart eyes at each other and, yeah. and fucking when they can, but... Well, and being in, like, severe danger. Yeah, there was a couple <laughs> instances where they were in pretty severe danger. But um, when he does feed her from a blood bag, he tells her to close her eyes, and then he does the putting of the bag on her teeth, which made sense. Like, why can't she just close her eyes? I can drink out of a straw without my eyes open. Yeah. I don't understand why she couldn't. And a blood bag is fairly large. I mean, we've donated blood. Yeah. We know what that's like. Yeah. Whatever. It's, it was just like a minor thing that we're like, you could have dealt with this. Because they kept saying if she couldn't feed, they'd have to hook up to an IV, which also is weird. So slow. IVs are terrible. They're the worst. Not fun. No. Not at all. Um, the other thing that kind of irritated me about her, and I know it irritated you because we talked about this on the way to get dinner tonight. Okay. Father Joe? Is that his name? The priest guy that works at the shelter with her. Yeah. So she states that she doesn't like to read the minds of her coworkers. Yes. Give them some privacy. However, Father Joe is having some insomnia issues and is starting to act strange. He starts off by feeding her a bunch of garlic and quote-unquote soup is what he calls it, but it's mostly just garlic. He starts cleaning crosses in her office. He blesses the water cooler. He blesses the water cooler so she'd only drink holy water. Because even though she only drinks blood, she doesn't eat food, but they still have to have other liquids. Yes. So she's drinking holy water. At what point when you realize that he is following all the incorrect steps for picking out what a vampire is, did she not think, oh, I think he knows? It was just, it was just really weird. Like, if I had the ability to read minds, I would, like, always do it. I understand there needs to be, like, some moral guideline. Yeah. I totally get that. But if my coworker looks a little worse for wear and they're like, man, my insomnia fucking sucks. 
Like, why don't you dig around a little bit to like, see maybe what what's are, going on? Like, what are you afraid of? Or why can't you sleep at night kind of stuff? Are you having... Or maybe help him sleep at night? Because that's one of the mind control things. Because they can control minds until someone knows what they are, which is weird. Yeah. Once they... Didn't understand where that came from towards the end. Once they figured out what they are... You can't you, be you controlled. Can't, you can't be controlled. It's harder. It's more difficult <clears throat> to control you. But it doesn't make sense It didn't me. make any sense but to me. But but it, it's a fun, interesting book. Um, but he does all of these things, and she doesn't catch on to it? And she doesn't think to read yeah, his mind? it was frustrating. I, I caught on the moment he fed her a fuck ton of garlic. I was like, that sounds awful, first of all. <sighs> like, smashed up garlic with some, like, cream or something. Ugh. Oh, God. The bad time. That's disgusting. I'm part Italian, and we cook with a fuck ton of garlic, but even... Oh, it's just, just on its own. It's like it's too much. It's awful to think about. But it's just she didn't put those things together, Mm-mm. and it just gets progressively worse. And I think maybe part of that was she was so consumed with the thought of Greg yeah. and like what was happening to them because they're suddenly like, well, we can't wipe his memory. We can't control him. He's too strong. We're gonna have to call the council. And then they start talking about this council of three. And that's where three really old vampires converge on one person's mind. Yep. So they can't have any defensive up. And it, like, fucks them up. And they kept saying, we don't want Greg to be a Renfield. Yep. But no one would tell him what that meant. And it's essentially, like, he's crazy and he's kind of, like, brain dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vegetable, if you will. Yeah. So let's talk about our favorite part. Or favorite character, should we say? Oh, sure. Do you want to talk about Dwayne? Okay. So Dwayne is a fuckboy. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, legit. So, right at the beginning, Lysiana's like, I know it's my birthday, I know I'm not supposed to eat until I go to dinner with my mom, but I am, you know, I am gonna, like, faint because I am so hungry. Well, and she, like, bad. She extends out farther and farther how long it's gonna be between when she eats because of her phobia. Right. And so she finds this guy and he looks good. He looks really healthy. He's tan. He's got broad shoulders. And she, like, convinces him, like, hey, let's go mess around. He's like, alright, let's go mess around. And he's, like, told her He's in med school and whatever. And so she goes and she mind controls him a little bit to get him behind the dumpster, which, first of all, gross. Who's eating dinner behind a dumpster? God, just really drunk people usually. Ew. That's what I would guess. (laughs) I know that for a fact we definitely worked with some people that were so drunk they'd pass out behind dumpsters on the regs. Yes, we have. Yeah, it's gross. Um, So... He's like, cool, we're going to go have sex behind this dumpster, which is also gross. And like, you're not oh. like, he thinks he's going to fuck her. Oh. I know. So gross. And so she's, like, manipulating his mind a little bit, and she, you know, goes to bite him. Yeah. And finds out that this fucker is anemic. She can't. She finds out because he's anemic. The tan is fake. Yep. And she's he's not broad-shouldered. He's frail because he's wearing shoulder pads. Yep. And the best part? She finds out later. That is not... He is not happy to see her. That is a cucumber in his pants. Like, what did he think was going to happen? Was he going to fuck her with a cucumber? Here's my question. Was it a pickling cucumber? They said what it was. Like a regular... Because Mirabeau read his mind. Yeah. It was like a... What'd she say? It was a seedless... A seedless English cucumber? Yeah, I think that's what she said. Those things are long and skinny. Yeah, seedless English cucumber. The man looked huge. And then she's like, you looked? (laughs) Gross. Like, first of all, disappointing on so many levels. Even though she didn't intend to have sex with him. No. Like, really? Putting a cucumber in your pants? That's the best you can come up with? There are so many other options to make your dick look bigger. And a seedless English cucumber. Those things are fucking long and skinny. Or just, like, know how to use it. His cucumber literally went to, like, his knee. 
Like, if you think about how long those just things are. so much disappointment. Anyways, Dwayne disappears after this. Yes. Because Father Joe interrupts them, and she's like, oh, I have to go, blah, blah, because they were going like, bar. Right? Bar, yeah. And um, so they leave, and Father Joe goes on his weird anti-vampire rampage, and suddenly Dwayne is back in the picture mm-hmm. in all his anemic glory. <laughs> but he's like, I've got the upper hand. Because which is dumb. he and Father Joe get together when they realize what's going on. And they decide that they're going to kill Lysiana because she's a vampire and vampires are bad. Yeah, so it's back to that bad trope. They keep saying it's providence. You are placed in my path to destroy so that you can move on. Yes. So that I can save you. Like, that's their version. Like, that's Father Joe's version of this. Yeah. Because he's really religious. He's, you know, a man of the cloth. Ugh. I know. So, (laughs) they go on the run because they think that Greg is going to be turned into this Renfield. Yeah. He doesn't want to be. Right. Lissy realizes she's got feelings for him. She won't say she loves him. No. But she's got feelings for him. So, they go on the run. And they go stay at the co-worker's house, Deb's house. Yeah. And while there, they have sex. They Which fuck. is weird. Okay. I have lots of friends, and I watch their houses, but I would not have sex for the first time with my new boyfriend. At a friend's house. In the master bedroom. It was in Deb's bed. Yeah. It started out on the couch with the window, like, the blinds open. And I was like, okay, that's a little raunchy, but, yeah, we accept this. It's a romance novel. Yeah. Then they moved and specifically said to the master bedroom, and I was like, but she lives there. That's, like, that's someone's home. That would be like you coming over here and fucking in my bed while I'm gone, and that's really weird. Like, okay. Like, no, just I don't, don't want to say it as you say. Just don't tell me. And make sure you wash my sheets, and I won't know. No. So, one of the things that drove me crazy about that whole situation, about being in your friend's bed, is that it was just okay to just fuck. And then she goes to sleep on the couch because they get into, like, kind of a little spat, if you will. Not, like, a big one. Right. Just enough where she was annoyed and she went to go sleep on the couch. And is woken up because it's cold suddenly. So she goes to get another blanket and gets staked in the fucking heart. Not in the heart. It barely missed her heart, but right in the chest. Yeah. And, like, first of all, scary AF. Yeah. Like, just waking up and thinking someone's in your home is scary enough. Like, that's one of the reasons I have created to live by myself. Because I live by myself. Yeah. And, like, noises can be scary. Okay, I, first off, live in an apartment Yeah. on gated property. Right. It's the only apartment here. I live in a not-great neighborhood. Yeah. Next to a fucking swap meet. Yeah. In a pretty industrial area. There's a lot of homeless in the area or whatever. And I know that I'm protected, but... My cat can my my cat can sneeze and I will jump out of my skin because it's just like your brain is working overtime to scare the shit out of you. Oh, my brain is working overtime to scare the shit out of me, just always. So and like plus, if you've ever been woken up suddenly by someone, yeah, it's really scary. Like yesterday, I was taking you know I told you I was taking a power nap. Yeah, and so I put my phone on night mode so it's on silent. Yeah. And I woke up to my sister opening my door and being like, hey, did you know Mitch is here? <laughs> and I was like, in my sleepy stupor, what? And I look at my phone and he had texted me. I was like, when did this happen? Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Happening? But, like, even family, like, jolting you out of sleep is really scary. Especially when yeah. you're, like, taking a nap. Well, and, like, my power naps are, like, good power naps. Like, I am. <sighs> Out. You're I am out and it feels great. Solid napper. I can drool. It's all good. I'm not. So I was like, oh, well, I'm not good. I have, I have the issue where I have customers come and knock on my door. Which is so rude. At like fucking midnight, one in the morning or whatever. Um, and then they wonder why I'm a bitch. And I'm like, well, you fucking woke me up. You scared the shit out of me. I'm I, tired. I already have anxiety-induced insomnia, so I already have a hard enough time staying yeah. asleep. And then when someone knocks on my door... 
I'm done. I that's it. There's no more sleeping for the rest of the night. I'll be wide awake. Every sound you think is like going to be something scary. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm last night with the gate dragging Just across no. the asphalt all night. Just no. It's awful. But so she gets staked, and Greg saves her. Yeah, because he's smart enough to realize that even though they shouldn't go back to her place because of being a Renfield, or, like, possibly, yeah, that he needs to get in contact with someone. So he, you know, gets in contact with Thomas, who's one of her cousins, yes. and they take her to their friend's house, Mirabeau. Yeah. And they, you know, help, not really Patrick, because her body's doing that already. Yeah. But they bring her blood, and they, you know, give her a safe place to be so she can heal but then, at the same time, she's so dumb because she's, like, almost dead, right? Yeah. And she's laying on Mirabeau's couch, and Mirabeau's like, okay, I'll go find someone for her to feed off the hoof, and we'll just wait until Thomas gets back. And they're like, okay. And Lizzie, in her, like, weird stupor, is like, if you want to be turned, you know, here you go. Well, she did that before. She did that when they, after they had fucked or whatever. Well, no, she, so she said to him, like, you have to realize if you want to be with me, you have to, like, leave your family behind. You have to explain all yeah. stuff. And that's why she left him alone. She went to go sleep on the couch. And that was so he could, like, think it over. And she's like, I'll give him space. Yeah. And that's how that all happened. But then at Mirabeau's. Is when he turns. Yes, because he says, uh, she says, have you given any thought to my question? And he says, yes, go ahead. And And then she bites herself, right? And then, like, holds out her arm, and she's like, well, if you really want to, here you go. And then he does. So this comes to our next topic on the notes list. Such a bad idea. In this world... Yes. There are no... Which is in Canada. Yeah, right. right it's in Canada. I couldn't get my head around that it was in Canada. I don't know why. I just blocked out that it was in Canada, and then little bits and pieces would pop up, and I was like, oh, I like Canada. And it was especially because he wanted to go to Mexico, and I was like, what? Like, okay. Maybe that's just because we live so close to Mexico that we're like, yeah. why, did we, why would you want to go there? But, um... It comes around full circle in that, hang on, I'm looking at the author bio. This is set in Canada, and the author, Lindsay Sands, is from England. Who knows? Whatever. Who knows? So, so anyways, um, this comes to our next point, which is there are no medical emergencies needed to change a person. Right. It was purely choice. Yeah. And he could have said no. He could have been like, no, not so much. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, though, because traditionally in a lot of the other vampire romances that we've read, you have to be injured and dying to be turned. So, like, in Twilight, she's having a hell demon child and is dying, so they turn her. Well, and... And it's not necessarily, because a lot of it, too, is just the whole reasoning is, like, the turning is so painful that you might die from the pain before you're fully turned, too. Yeah. If they did that to a healthy person, so if you're almost dead, There's... then the turning is just awful anyway. Yeah. So it's it was just, it's just another thing that's a little bit different about these vampires. Yeah. Because it's... Almost like the in old school vampires, the choices are get bit, turn into a vampire, get bit, lose all your blood, and mm-hmm. that's kind of it. And, and die, and yeah. And this is a little bit different, because they don't die instantly, they don't turn everyone. No. And, you know, that's like a big deal. It was, it was interesting to see that, because you don't normally see things like that. Right. And then also, we have to talk about um, kind of... The way vampires work, how they're governed in this world? Yes. They're rules. They, they have rules. Yeah. And, you know, you obviously, some of the rules are you can only turn one mortal. In your lifetime. In your is immortal lifetime. of years, possibly. Yeah. And then the other one was that you can have one child every hundred years. Yeah. And the reason for that being is, well, you don't want to oversaturate the hierarchy of the food chain. 
so you don't have anything to eat. Which is, like, pretty smart, honestly. Yeah, like, if you think about it, that makes so much more sense when you think about it. Because at first I was kind of like, but why? And then she explains, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, This world was funny because we're given characters who are kind of ditzy and kind of out of it. Yeah. And you have this just insane family. They're, they're insane. All the cousins, and they're all sleeping over. Yeah. And they're wearing questionable pajamas. Like, they're not actually pajamas. They're baby dolls. They're baby dolls. Except for Thomas, who wears a pair of Spider-Man pajamas and has this big conversation with Greg in his Spider-Man PJs. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's kind of hard to take someone seriously when they're wearing Spider-Man pajamas. Yeah. Um, but we had the more traditional, they sleep during the day kind of vampire. We had the more... Um, Not necessarily traditional in that the sun will light them on fire and they will die, but the sun is still damaging. It weakens them. It weakens them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was kind of fun. Those were fun takes that, you know, you got to keep with the vampires. Yeah. Um, But there were some parts of it where I was just like, huh? Yeah. I didn't really get that, but okay. Uh, What did you like about it? Like, overall? Overall, overall. Um, I like the idea of the life mates, the true life mates. Okay. I don't know why, because I thought it was really stupid in Twilight. Because it wasn't real. Well, the imprinting from Twilight, I guess. that was weird, too. I think I liked a lot of what was in this book, specifically because it was so different from Twilight. Yeah. And I thought that was a big deal. I was a little disappointed with the... At the end of the book, with the whole Father Joe and Dwayne thing, yeah, they're like chained to the wall in the side room, so they're getting weaker. Yeah, but from my understanding, <laughs> you've been a vampire a long time, like Luciana. You're supposed to be like super strong. Yeah. So even if she's weakening, maybe she would stay and like whatever. Yeah. Um, she should still have like way above average average strength because she told Greg. By the end of, like, the week, you'll be ten times stronger than a normal man. Yeah. And so she should be, like, hella strong. And this bitch is pulling on the chain that's holding her cuffs <laughs> and, like, bending the ring that it's on. Yeah, but barely. But what I expected was, like, the movie version where she's, like, looking at it and she's like, ah, oh, fuck. And she's yanks it really hard, and it, like, explodes out of the wall. And there's, like, plaster dust everywhere, yeah, and, like, rubble. If you tell me that in one week I'll be ten times stronger than a normal person, like, you should be able to punch through some bricks. Yeah. And if she's 200 years old... And she's not doing that? Even in her weakened state. Like, yeah. I understand that she has weakened, that she well, has stake, that she's in the sun. Well, not really, because she had already pretty much recovered from the staking. Right. It was because they were in the sun. They were in the sun. Yeah. But also, Doctor, not Doctor, Father Joe and Dwayne had guns with silver bullets in them, which kudos so to you, work. but it's not a vampire thing. Silver bullets is a werewolf I thing. He was like, I found them on the internet. <laughs> like, you can find anything on the internet. I'm like, okay. But, the first thousands aren't real. Yeah. <laughs> oh, got them off of eBay. That's yeah. fake. But, um,. Dwayne shoots Greg, and she fainted and was weak because she'd fainted seeing the blood. Right. But still, like, if you're weak and fainting because you fainted because of blood, you still are more powerful. I was hoping she would suck it up specifically for him. And, like, get over the phobia? Like, I was so hoping. But she still, like, inched sideways with her eyes closed. Yeah. And, like, even took care of his chain. Like, way. with her eyes, like, averted, like, she'd only yeah. look at the top part of his face. I was like, man, this could have been your, like, hero part. Yeah. Know. And I was really hoping that she would, like, fireman carry him out. Like, they were only six miles well, away from the house. since, um, at different parts of the book, they talk about how strong she is and yeah. how strong they all are. Because they can, like, move a grown man out of the way easily. Yeah. Or, you know, stuff like that. And you're like, well, she, like, her pinky should have been able to break those chains. Right. She could have hulked out of there. Didn't do it. Well, and then it's like the whole matter of the ending, they get saved. 
Right. Her whole family shows up in the van. And the fucking van shows up. Right. And they get saved. And I was really hoping that at the end, she would do the fireman carry and she'd run them the six miles to the house and show up on the door with Greg bloodied and he needs blood and the nanos and blah, blah, blah. But no. Instead, she's the damsel in distress. Marguerite shows up. And babies her. And babies her. Because she's the baby. And we never, we, you know, she has siblings, but we don't really see much of the siblings. And, right. Um, but that was kind of it. She never got over the phobia. Which and was so there was an opportunity that wasn't taken there. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't expecting her to fall and be like, oh, man, I'm totally done with this now. So, like, if the love of your life is in danger, it's like the mom's lifting the car thing. Yeah. Like, don't you have some... Any form of inner strength. Listen, my daughter was very close to the street with her tricycle. I don't run. I'm fat. I don't like running. But I can tell you right now, it was like fucking Edward Cullen fast speeds running to save that child. Because I love my daughter, but something's wrong in her brain when it comes to self-preservation sometimes. It happens. But... There wasn't that moment where we got to see her kind of be a badass. Her mom came and saved her. Which was too bad, because I felt like part of the whole story was... Her being independent. Yeah, her becoming independent, but instead what's happened is she'll just, like, in a sequel, Mm -hmm. she would just have been transferred from her mother's watchful eye to to her new to-be-husband. Yeah. And it's I mean, that's a very old school thing, and maybe it's like a super American thing. It could be. That we're like, that's not how that should be. But it was just like kind of disappointing. I mean, maybe because we just came off with like super feminist novels too. Yeah. Where we're like, yeah, girl power, fuck that guy, you know. And then we get. Then we get, I'm scared of blood. I'm afraid of blood, and my mom has to take care of me. Um, so we've kind of covered everything. Yeah. What did you do in regards to the rating? How did you rate this? Okay. I'm going to go with a three. Okay. I felt like I didn't get as much of the falling in love as I usually like. Okay. We did get the happily ever after, which I do like. Um, and I really appreciate the different take on vampires, but I think... Not having a strong enough female character really detracts from my ratings a lot of time. Yeah. Because I don't care that she wasn't relatable for me, because I'm not a vampire. I, I'm bitey, but I'm not trying to be a vampire. We're right? not we're not Atlanteans. Not that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I think I just really admire strength when it's, like, female strength not being compared to, like, alpha male strength, or, okay. like, females trying to be alphas. Yeah. And I got... None of that on either side. And I was like, man, like, she had opportunities to be a badass. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, other series about, like, the Jazz Park series, she was such a badass on her own. Yeah. That was, like, just a bonus that she worked with a vampire. You know? It was cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I agree with that. I would give it a 3.25. Okay. Um, mostly because... This you always go for those quarter marks, don't you? I do. I've been reviewing books for a long time yeah. at this point. For me, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, it was an entirely different take on a vampire, which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, it was a quick read when I did get a chance to read it. I have had the busiest fucking two weeks of my life, so reading was kind of difficult to get to, but... Um, it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun, and I thought it was interesting. And I it wasn't I would as dark more. as other vampire stories either. No, it was a really lighthearted, yeah, fun time. Because the super dark stuff, I think, is a huge turnoff for me personally. Because I'm kind of a wimp. Yeah, well, not kind of like I'm a super wimp. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you But um, I appreciated that too. That it was more like family centric, which is not something we see. No. Like the Colons are like a family made up of random people they saved. For, like, no apparent reason. <laughs> Just because Carlisle could. You know, Carlisle had a you. heart, yeah. Carlisle is, like, Zeus, but nice. Oh my god, Carlisle is the fuckboy of the Cullens? Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna just turn all these people because I can. I love that. Yeah. Episode name, oh, fuckboy no. Cullen. <laughs> Edward was a fuckboy for different reasons. 
Well, that was Anyways, we can do that in, like, we were talking about doing a worst of series. Reading Twilight. God, I don't want to read it. That's... I read it when I was younger, and I don't. My daughter wants to read it, and I'm... I'm going to tell her she is allowed to because she needs to experience that for herself. Um, So at this point, we've read it. Now my question to you is, there's something like 26 books in the series. Would you read more? Just for fun. Are they all about different people in the family? They're all different people. Okay, then I would consider it... um I did like, like, I really liked Thomas. I loved Thomas. I would like to hear more about her mother growing up, well, not growing up, well, I guess growing up, being turned when she was 15 and marrying her father, who turned into an alcoholic and needed alcoholic's blood. I thought that like, was hysterical. That was the funniest, like, see, even, like, all those fucked up people are, like, useful. If you have diabetes, you're, you're a, like a treat. You're, like, you're great. candy. You're dessert. Yeah. So, I mean, I think certain ones I would read, but not all of them. No, I, I don't think I would read all 26 or whatever it is. Oh, God, no. Um, just know, also, Lindsay Sands writes a Highlander series of romances. Yeah, I saw that when I was at the Fins. I have one. And I was like, wait, that's very different from Vampires. Yeah, I have one on the shelf over there. Um, what do we have next? Um, just the closing. Oh, wait, what we're reading next time. Yeah. So, um, says, join us next week as we discuss... First Grave on the Right by Dorinda Jones. Um, I know we've already discussed what you thought, but this is one of my favorite series. Yeah, which makes it, like, really shitty. And it's okay. <laughs> to each their own. We all have our own feelings, and we're allowed to have that. Uh, so, yeah, next week... Next week. Next time. So, yeah, not next week. No, not next no, week. No. Two weeks from now, Yeah. Um, on our Halloween release date... Woo. We will be reading First Grave on the Right by Dorinda Jones. This is a private investigator who is also the Grim Reaper who falls in love with the Son of Satan. Okay, stop giving away parts of the story. (gasps) I just can't wait. I'm so excited. (laughs) We're going to leave you with a final thought tonight. Well, you don't, I don't know if you're going to say this, but it's night for us. So, um, let's see, this is a quote from Janine Frost, the author of One Foot in the Grave. And it says, you know that old saying, once you go dead, no one's better in bed. Bye.